The Old Testament reading today is from Exodus chapter 32, commencing to read at verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you have brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol, cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it, and sacrificed to it, and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone, so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favour of the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It was with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains, and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster to your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Amen. Luke 15, verses 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in, open, in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God. When I grew up, the only interpretation I was ever given of the parable of the lost sheep was, of course the shepherd is going to go after the lost sheep. He would be mad not to. It took me years. Um, Growing up in Barking, there aren't that many sheep lying around, it has to be said. It's it's not the most rural of areas. And it's only when I went to ministerial training college and we had a day looking at rural ministry and we got talking with the farmer and we we talked about this parable. And he said, well, of course, that's not the correct interpretation. Of course, the shepherd is not going to go after a lost sheep. It would be a waste of his time and potentially it would threaten his livelihood. 
The sheep has almost certainly been taken by sheep rustlers, by wolves, by other wild animals. It's not a very good sheep if it has strayed, because you can't trust it. It will just go and do the same again at some point down the line. There's no point in risking those who are already there. It makes no sense at all. Of course the shepherd is not going to go after that one lost sheep. So what we have here is a story of God's ridiculous love. A love that makes no sense how the world operates. Because here we have Jesus using a parable where he says that God's love is actually like the shepherd who will break all of the conventions, who will seek out that lost one, who will risk the 99. How many people in our world do we write off very, very quickly? They're too much bother, too much effort. They've got too many complex needs. They're the ones who just keep messing up and you try and you put some involvement and some time into them and they're just going to mess it up all over again and there's no point to it. So we can just give up on them. Let's just focus on the sensible ones, the calm ones, the rational ones, the respectable ones. But God's love operates in a different way. God has a ridiculous stupid kind of love a love that makes no sense how the world operates at all because the shepherd will go after the lost sheep and will risk the 99 that are supposedly safe you see the whole point is that actually the 99 sheep there's there's no guarantee when you look at the power there's no guarantee that they're going to be safe A wolf could still get in, a thief could still get in and and steal them away. So there's no guarantee for the 99. So when that shepherd goes off after that lot, he's potentially risking losing 99 for one stupid stray animal. How often do we misunderstand God's grace We assume it is for the respectable, for the nice, for the safe, for the 99. And forget that there's also that other one, that difficult one, that actually God still really wants us to be focusing on as well. What are you like when you're in a situation where you're lost? Are you one of those people who actually relishes the prospect of being lost because it means you you can learn new things and you can find new parts of a place? Or are you a bit like me, somebody who hates the thought of being lost at any point because you like the stability and certainty? When I met Hazel uh, on one of our first dates, she switched off the sat-nav in my car because she said it was getting in the way of the conversation. (sighs) we're an hour late for dinner as a result and I wasn't best pleased but but we did have a lovely conversation and I learnt a lot more about her in the process are you one of those people who likes getting lost or are you one of those who you've got to get to the destination as quickly as possible and forget everything else see I have a sneaky suspicion that that lost sheep was actually the fun one out of the hundred 
he was probably the naughty one, the one that actually added a bit of spice and a bit of, bit of enjoyment and a bit of excitement. He was probably the one with the quiff, you know, the teddy boy, um, who, uh, who, who was the first one to discover Buddy Holly and Elvis Presley. You know, he was probably the exciting, interesting one, and the other 99 were really quite dull and boring. And so, actually, it's in the lost people that often we find that bit of spice, that, that diversity that actually really makes community interesting. It's not the healthy who are in need of the doctor, it is the sick. I think there is something in this parable for us to think about, about how we operate church. Because if you look at that gospel story and the setting of it, Jesus offers that parable because he's in yet another situation where there's all the sinners you know, and also there's the religious people, and the religious people are grumbling about, oh, why is he spending time with the sinners yet again? How dare he? He might sully himself by spending time with them. And then Jesus tells this story. Are we the healthy who are in need of the doctor, or are we the sick? Are we the 99, or are we the one lost one? And what type of church, therefore, are we? Are we just a church for the righteous and the well-behaved and the well-mannered, for the holy ones, the nice people? Are we a church that is basically a club for those who have met together for many years and we find it hard to reach out to those who might be lost? Do we dislike it when strangers, new people, odd ones, those different to ourselves when they join us? Or are we the church of the shepherd who will willingly and surprisingly and bafflingly seek out the lost? When Jesus offers this parable, it's interesting that he uses the image of a shepherd just as as David did in the Psalms a thousand years or so beforehand. That It's in this use of a shepherd who actually was an outsider. You only have to think of the story of of the nativity and the angels appearing to the shepherds. Why the shepherds? You know, they were the outcasts. They were thieves. They were shifty. You couldn't trust them an inch. And these shepherds who you couldn't trust, well, basically if they then are going around, A, being called a good shepherd in any way, shape or form, there wasn't such a thing by and large. That was how people would have understood it. But also that these shepherds themselves are part of an economic system whereby they probably would have been viewed as less worthy, less valuable economically than the sheep that they were tasked with looking after. And yet Jesus here identifies God as being like a shepherd, an outsider, valued cheaply. How often do we value God so cheaply that we ignore his presence when he comes to us in the presence of the outsider? God identifies with the lost and the abandoned, the despised and the rejected, And I think in this parable, we have it that actually God will seek them out rather than the religious and the nice and the respectable people. Now, 
That's not to say that those in the 99, that there aren't those who also are lost. Because I think a lot of people occasionally will just join the biggest herd and actually lose themselves and their identity in the process. How many people just join a club and actually still feel utterly confused, still feel that they're trying to work out what on earth life is really about? How many of the 99 actually wished they had the courage to be like the lost sheep themselves, trying to break out, trying to find out what life is fully about? At least by going and being lost, they get some attention in the process. The Good Shepherd deliberately goes after the lost sheep. It makes no sense at all. And yet, it is what I think we are called to. Are we called to just be the church of the safe area? Or are we called to be that which goes out to those who are lost in our community? Um, a few years back, when I was in my last appointment, um, uh, we had uh, um, a church group that wanted to use um, our church premises for prayer because they were concerned about, and I quote, the level of impurity on the Palatine Road, which I thought would make an excellent title for country and western song. Um, um, and basically, they were deeply concerned about the, the number of, of sex-trafficked women into the, into the area. But all they wanted to do was sit and pray about it and not do anything else. They wanted to be like the 99, safe and secure, where they could dismiss the lost one. Oh, aren't they too much trouble? To look down their nose at the situation rather than actually do anything about it. God goes out and seeks out the lost. And God is asking us to do the same, to shift our attitudes, to change the way we view morality, to not view it as a how much can I judge somebody, but rather how much can I risk myself, my life, my values, my everything for those who are lost, those who are scared, those who are terrified, those who are just battered by the storms of life. So often, we only want the church to be for the 99. So often, we only want the gospel to be for the 99, and we forget that one other person, the, the odd one, the awkward one, the junkie, the asylum seeker, the prostitute. And yet they might well be entering the kingdom of heaven before we are. This table is open to everyone. Not just to the 99, but also to that one lost person. And recognizing that also amongst the 99, there are probably loads of lost people as well. It's just they might be too terrified to admit it. This is the table open for all. God's love is open for all and the moment we try and restrict it is the moment we fundamentally fail with our Christian faith. 
This table is open for everyone. God's love is ridiculous and stupid and utterly irrational, but it is there for everyone, even those who do not deserve it. And then the problem comes for those of us who are of the 99, those of us who are religious and so on, is the recognition that actually we ourselves have so often fallen so far short of the kingdom of God that we ourselves probably should identify as the lost one ourselves. But God's love is there even for us. God is calling even us. However fragile and frail and stupid and messed up we are, God still loves us and still might be calling to each of us. We might be the lost one, but we think we're part of the 99. It is for everyone that Jesus is the good shepherd. It is for everyone that he will never let us go. It is to each of us that he will seek us out. This Jesus whom we gather to worship today, he seeks us out even when we are lost, even when we have messed up, and he offers the chance for us to come back so that we can celebrate with everyone. A new community is what is being offered. At the end of that process of people being lost, they are recovered and they are brought back and there is rejoicing. It is right, therefore, that when we do seek those who are lost, that we rejoice when they are found. And that we ourselves, when we are found, that we also rejoice as part of that process. To be Christian community... We need to seek out those who are beyond our walls, to not restrict ourselves to the 99. But also it is right that when we do so, we celebrate, because in celebrating, we are giving thanks to God for that bizarre love that he has for each of us. So this day, let us think of those whom we have viewed as lost and allow God's spirit to work on us to offer us new insights into them and into their needs let us ask for God's strength for us for those times in our lives where we feel lost and let us give thanks for a God who loves all of us even when we don't really deserve it Let us give thanks for a God of infinite and unfailing love this day and forevermore. Amen.